Greetings, adventures, and welcome to GNGG Cast. Welcome everyone to Good Night and Good Game, your geek news roundup for the week that was. I'm your host, James, and with me this week, as always, is my co-host, Hector. Hello. And this week on the show, after the news, we are going to be talking a bit about Resident Evil 8 and where we see the future of the franchise going. Before we start, don't forget that you can head over to goodnight.gg, where as a patron of our show, you can suggest topics for us to talk about. Our PT retrospective is up now, and uh, we're actually going to get to recording a new episode pretty soon. Uh, if nobody has any suggestions, I think we're going to talk The Expanse. Yeah, The Expanse. Oh, man, I could talk The Expanse for days. Just the show. <laughs> Just James the show. hasn't finished the books Have yet. Have not finished the books yet. All right. With all that out of the way, it is time for The Prelude. Prelude. All right, this is the prelude. This is what we've been up to this week, what we've been playing, what we've been watching, what's been occupying our free time, and what has been making us happy. Hector, what do you have for me this week? Well, let's see. Um, video game-wise, has been much the same. Um, luckily, I mean, there's news later today that'll say, like, I've got plenty of times to play the video games I have. <laughs> so, yeah, I did still just more Horizon Zero Dawn, more Elden Ring. I don't think I'll ever be finished with Elden Ring. Right. Um, but mostly it's been a show week for me. Um, I, wa- I finished Euphoria Season 2. Mm-hmm. If you like Season 1, Season 2 is also good. It's not good in the same way, but it is still very good. I still gave me a a ton of anxiety there was a lot of nightmare <laughs> fuel but there was also a lot of really beautiful moments and a, okay. and a kind of like suburban surrealism that just it, it the show bleeds style it drips style on the floor and you slip in it while you watch the show it's yeah. it's amazing um the other thing that i discovered this week thanks to uh, my partner over here mm-hmm. is uh we're here we're here is an HBO. Um, I want to call it a documentary series. It's not. It's a reality show. It it's is. just a reality show about um, three uh, drag queens who I believe I don't know their origin, but I believe they're from DuPaul, uh, RuPaul's Drag uh, Race. At least one of them was. Okay, okay, but they're, they're all famous in their own right, and I'm completely new to this community, so completely forgive all of my ignorance here, but. What I know is these three fantastic drag queens, um, Shangelica, Eureka, and Bob the Drag Queen, mm-hmm. which wonderful name, by the way, um, go into, at the request of their fans, deep, deep into the heart of Bible belt and buckle and tie country. Mm-hmm. Um, you're talking like rural Idaho, rural Montana, um, uh, just places where if you walk around as a man dressed as a woman, you're going to get looks. If you walk around as a man dressed as an amazingly fantastic, gorgeous, star-screaming cartoon of a woman, mm-hmm. you're, people are either going to try and embrace you or they're going to try and hurt you. Mm-hmm. And this is where these people go. They go into these places and they find their fans. And there's a bit of a formula to it because they'll find whoever requested them to come here and they'll ask them for their reason. And they'll find specifically a a cishet straight, the, the, the straightest of males they can find and be like, are you brave enough to do drag with us? And they find someone who says yes and they put them in the show. And there's there's always um, someone who is already either part of the uh, gay community or already part of the drag community who they'll bring in and be like, yo, that like we're going to put on this big show, this HBO production show in your tiny town that's a drag show. Please come show us the local drag flair that you have. Mm-hmm. 
And they spend the entire episode interviewing the people who are going to be on screen, showing the rehearsal, showing the makeup, and really building up to the show they do at the end of it. And it's always way better than you think it could ever possibly be. Mm -hmm. And... um uh, th this is besides the point. There's no point in describing the show. If you've ever been to a drag show, you know about the energy. If you've never been to one like me in person, you can't wait to go to one. Like, mm -hmm. whatever my next opportunity is, I need to do this. I had a friend of ours, uh, a friend of mine put out feelers for where good drag shows were in Austin after you were talking to me about it. Yeah. So, like, so we will probably go see one soon. I, I cannot wait. Yeah. What the, the, the thing that strikes me about it and the thing that makes it wholesome, and I mean like Ted Lasso, Box of Kittens, Puppies Frolicking Through a Field wholesome is that you have a bunch of people get together and show you the truest truest part of themselves that they can possibly imagine and everyone celebrates it, it, mm -hmm. it it's a celebration of individuality acceptance and love and it is overwhelming enough that i genuinely feel touched right now just talking about it mm -hmm. like if you've never seen the show it's on hbo max watch this show it's called we're here mm -hmm. But, and yeah, I can't recommend it enough. The best comparison I can give for it is the very first two seasons of the newest Queer Eye, the one that came out on Netflix. Mm -hmm. uh, they kind of do the same thing. They go into the, the Bible Belt and they try to find some acceptance and communication in a place where it's been a little bit more difficult. Um, and it's always very touching. It's always, always you always want to cry. It's mm. always a feel good show. Oh yeah. Um, but always worth your time. We're here is absolutely fantastic. Uh, season two's up now. I'm waiting for you to finish. Yeah. Uh, I'll give you one little bit of spoiler for season one. They never got to finish season one because of COVID. Oh, so the final episode, so they're just back. Yeah. So the final episode of the season is actually the origin story of the three main drag queens. Oh, that's So you awesome. get all of their backgrounds. Cool. Cool, where cool, it all cool, came cool. from. So it's something to look forward to. No, I'm into it. I'm into it. Yeah. Uh, over on my side of the world, obviously, based on the title of this episode, I've been playing a lot of Resident Evil 8, and I'll be talking more about that later. Oh, yeah. Uh, but before that, I have a couple quick things to talk about. Uh, we watched the first episode of Moon Knight. Yeah, we did. Yeah, Fantastic. we did. It was fucking awesome. Can't wait for the next one. Yeah, won't spoil it, but yeah. do watch. Do watch. We watched the first episode of DMZ based on the graphic novel um, on HBO. Yeah, I'm That's unfamiliar cool. with the graphic novel, but the actors and the acting were phenomenal. Big, you know, relatively, like, like pretty expensive production, HBO style. Yeah. Um, you know, every dollar was up there on the screen. Um, yeah, it, 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 it was really good. I, I'm, I, I want more of it. I know there's a second episode, and I might just go home and watch it. Yeah, absolutely. And DMZ, if you're unfamiliar with it, uh, it takes place in, the, uh, again, it's part of a graphic novel series that's already wrapped up. Mm -hmm. um, I believe it was a Vertigo series originally. And uh, it's the story where there's this uh, second civil war that happens in America. Part of New York becomes a demilitarized zone. Um, and it's kind of the story of the people who are trying to survive in this kind of really rough. It, it feels post-apocalyptic, but the truth is the world is right outside the walls. They mm -hmm. just can't get to it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's definitely worth your time. I'm gl I'm so glad that you're, you've gotten into it real briefly. I just want to mention, um, we watched a movie this week. Yeah, we Sw did. Swiss army man. Yeah. I would love to hear you talk about Swiss army man. I'm going to try Cause it's a hard movie to explain because on the, on the, <laughs> the base premise of it is you have, you know, and that's to, kind of the idea. Maybe if we're uh, like, let's say if we're going to recommend the movie to people, let's just keep it to like the, uh, the, the main ideas. Right. So the main, and that ideas, is tough. Is we, who are the two main actors in it? Oh, uh, right. So you have Paul Dano, um, who recently did, uh, the Riddler in the Batman. Yeah. Uh, he's been a lot of, of other things. There will be blood. In my opinion, he's never given a bad performance. Yeah. He's always phenomenal. Um, and you have Daniel Radcliffe. Yep. Um, who was Harry Potter and a lot of other things. Yeah, so if you know nothing about 
Daniel Radcliffe's filmography post Harry Potter, um, he does a lot of weird shit. Yeah, he basically um, only does what he wants to do, yeah. and he only wants to do shit that he thinks people might not watch, and yeah. not for any other reason than that it's what's most interesting to him. And uh, that's what this is. And a lot of the stuff that I've watched of his has just been really weird shit that's hard to recommend, and Swiss Army Man is one of those. Yeah. It's a movie about Daniel Radcliffe being a dead body and him being carried around, and occasionally the dead body will do something important and it's difficult to explain without spoiling the movie because it's so fucking weird. It's a weird ass movie, but but it has a lot of heart and it was a movie that I walked away from feeling something like genuinely in my heart felt something like I walked away and I was like, wow, that, that movie had a message to it and it was dark and weird, but I'm here for it. Yeah. And it's a hard movie to recommend. It's yeah, it is. Movie. It is. The, the, the reason we watch it is because there's a movie about to release. I believe it releases at the end of next week um, called Everything Everywhere All at Once. It's gotten uh, some pretty good press here in the Austin area. I'm not sure how many people outside of this area are mm-hmm. like, re- like, like are really exposed to this movie, but I cannot wait for it. The thing is... This movie has the same director duo that Swiss Army Man had. That's why yeah. we watch it. It's the Daniels. I, I forget um, exactly what their last names both are at the moment, but they're both named Daniel. Yeah. And their movie, Swiss Army Man, was called a movie by the Daniels. And so mm-hmm. is this. So this is the next thing they've done together. And I honestly can't wait to see it. Yeah. The last thing that I did this week was a game-related thing. I'm going to use game and air quotes for all those people out there who are going to take umbrage with what mm-hmm. I'm about to say. Uh, it's a game that I found through watching gaming YouTube, um, just watching various people talk about what they've been playing. Um, a lot of game development YouTube, actually, is what I watch while I'm at work. And uh, the game is called Kind Words. This game is not a game in the traditional sense. There is no winning victory screen. The Sorry, the full title of the game, just so you know, is um, Kind Words uh, Lo-Fi to Write To. Okay. And so what it is, is you're presented in a room with your character and you can change what the room looks like. There's, um, as you get stickers, you get them through exchanging letters. I'll explain that in a second. Mm -hmm. You can decorate those stickers, become objects that become placeable in the room. It is not a game in which you win or play. Mm -hmm. It is a game in which you write. And it's a game where um, people sit down and they write out their feelings anonymously. Hmm. Um, things that they're going through, troubles they're having, um, frustrations they're going through. And if you choose to do so, you can respond to complete strangers. Wow. Um, and that's all it is. It is, it is become almost a bedtime ritual for me. Okay. If I'm, if I'm in the right headspace, cause some of the stuff in there is very heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, by the way, the developers very much police this game. Okay. Not like they, they don't read every letter or anything, right. but there is a report button. If somebody's trying to pull some bullshit with the, with their writing, like okay. it'll get reported and it'll get pulled immediately. Um, and it really is just a place where one can sit down anonymous, anonymously type out their feelings and, people will respond to it and they respond anonymously and you can exchange stickers when you get stickers from each other and those become the decorations in your room. Every day that you log in and respond to somebody, uh, there's a male deer is the main character. And the male deer um, who delivers your mail um, finds a new lo-fi track and he adds it to your radio playlist. So you you only start off with a couple songs, but the more that you help people out, um, like once a day, you get more music that's added to your playlist and whatnot. Oh. Um, it's a very heartfelt game. 
Um, there, there have been times where I, I, I do try to reply to as many things I feel comfortable with, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of things I can't speak to, you yeah. know, uh, with their, you know, sexuality or gender identity. And, you know, I, I can't, I, I, I wouldn't feel right responding to those, mm-hmm. but there's also times that the people are just going through a lot of really harsh things. Um, last night, actually, there was somebody who just lost their cat. Oh yeah. And that was something I can speak to. And, you know, I did, and I just had a huge brick of wall and there's a limit of how much text you can get. Okay. Yeah. Um, but you know, I sent him a whole, I used every character of that Mm. one basically. Um, and it's tough. It's a tough game. It's not for everybody, but the thing about it is, is with the last couple of years being as hard as it was, Mm -hmm. people need an outlet and they need to feel like they can just talk to somebody and therapy is also expensive by the way. And, uh, speaking of cost, kind words is only $5 on steam. Wow. So if you are in the mood to help somebody or maybe you just need somebody to listen to you, mm-hmm. um, kind words on Steam, five bucks, go get it, please. Yeah, like it, it almost feels like, I mean, game is such a, an awkward word for what this is, right? Yeah. Because if I had the opportunity to go sit in like a room that I was decorating and listen to lo-fi and just like respond to letters from people who might need with some advice or affirmation they can't respond back or to you, love. Yeah, right. Right. They can't respond back to you. They can't say thank you. Mm-hmm. What they can do is send you a sticker and that's it. Right. So, I mean, yeah. So, you know, you're doing it for nothing. Yeah. You're doing it just to help someone, a very real human being who has reached out in the world. I mean, that's awesome. And this is literally just a tool to do that. That's a great way to spend your time. Like if you have, if you have the, the, the of yourself to give in yeah. this way, uh, it, it seems noble in a way, like helping, like, you know, I, yeah, like I said, yeah, I can't, it's not, so, it it's, forward. It's, it's not something I can do every night. Some, some days I've overwhelmed and I've had a long day, yeah. but on the days where I'm relaxed and and, mm-hmm. I've, and things are kind of looking up, I, I'm in the mindset where I'm like, you know, I would like to go on and see, you know, what people are thinking and yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It's a complicated it's game awesome. to describe, but again, if it's, if this, it all sounds like something you're interested in or you're struggling with some kind of loneliness or some things going on in your life, but you don't know who to talk to, um, kind words on steam, like seriously, check it out. Um, there's a great community that I've seen the Reddit community. They're all really loving and friendly to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a great place. So. Ah, that's so cool. That's so cool. All right, that's everything that we have for the prelude this week. When we come back on the other side, we'll be going into the news and the weekly raid. The weekly raid. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the show. This is the weekly raid, our news highlights for the week. Kicking things off this week, CD Projekt Red has announced the newest entry in the Witcher series. While being far from being shown off, they did say that they were teaming with Epic to use the Unreal Engine 5 to make it instead of their internal game engine, which I think is called the Red Engine. Correct. Um, It will be a, quote, new saga in the Witcher franchise and will have multiple games that will be made in the Unreal Engine. The new director of the series, uh, Jason Slama, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, is promising that these games will be made without the development teams having to crunch. Uh, I'm <sighs> Fool me once, right? So, like, I don't know. I, I don't know what to say about any of this. Uh, first of all, 
they said that the Witcher story was done for a while when they finished The Witcher 3, which was a fucking masterpiece, just to be clear. Mm. And it was on the Red Engine. And yes, I understand that the Red Engine is hard to work with. I have no problem whatsoever with them switching to Unreal. Mm. Unreal makes great games for no reason. It is a mm. robust and easy-to-use tool. Ask the guys from Deep Rock Galactic. Like, shit just works in that game. Right. And it has no right to, because everything is like procedurally generated and destructible. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, Unreal Engine is incredible. No problem with that. Do I have a problem with um, the next CDPR game probably being an Epic exclusive? Yeah. Yeah, I got a it problem with that. does raise some questions there. And no one has announced that. That is just a thing I think might happen based right. on what's going on. But I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, overall, like I can't be mad that they want to make more Witcher. Maybe mm-hmm. they feel like, yeah, it's going to take us several years to get up work up enough gumption to make another cyberpunk game right if they even decide to go that way so mm-hmm. in the meantime i mean i love the witcher and uh, so that all i can say all i can say to this news is do not fuck this up please <laughs> don't fuck this up please don't make a bad witcher game don't let this be your motherfucking fallout 76 i will never touch your your studio again if you do some of that shit mm-hmm. i swear to god anyway and all I can say to this is it's nice to hear the promises that you won't crunch. Yeah. But like you said at the beginning of this, yeah. fool me once. Yeah, no, they said the same shit. Like they, they said they weren't going to have crunch uh, uh, for cyberpunk. Mm. And apparently there was a fuck ton. And apparently yeah. a lot of those employees only sounded the alarm because of all of the news that said CDPR doesn't crunch. Yep. Oh, let's see what else we got going on this week. Oh, HBO is beginning to work on a new show called Welcome to Dairy. It's going to be a prequel series to the latest two films that adapted Stephen King's work, It. It will be set in the 1960s and look to provide more lore into the world and Pennywise, uh, the creature itself. Uh, The director of the films will be working on the series as executive producer. Now, help me out here because I'm not... I'm not, like, way into the Stephen King mythos. Yeah. Um, I could help you there. Yeah, I know. This is the thing. Um, so Pennywise. Yes. He's a clown. But also not. El- like, like Eldritch God, yes. though. Yeah, yeah. Yes. But, like, not an explained... Like, like he's from the planet Quokthar or anything. No. no, no, no. He's just some kind of Eldritch fear demon thing. That wakes up once every 27 years. Right. And, yep. and like, tortures some folks. Yep. Yeah. Um... So uh, I'm not so, sure. So let me let me explain a couple things to right, maybe right, right. to maybe help you out here. So when I say they're going to go more into the the concept of Pennywise, yeah, in the books, it he is not explained explained, but there is more explaining that mm-hmm. they could have put in the movies that they didn't. Okay, and there were also certain scenes um, that were a little more like quote like racially charged that happened mm-hmm. in the books that they feel that that they didn't put in the movies. They're like, but that would fit really well into a 1960s prequel show. Fair, fair, fair. So they're kind of like taking parts from the book Mm -hmm. and just moving it in time and then making new content with it. And and that's fine. It could go either way. Because Stephen King King adaptations are weird. Because we we watched at least the first episode of Jerusalem's Lot. Mm -hmm. And I need to go back and finish that. Yeah, we should do that. Yeah, I I fucking loved that. (laughs) That was cool. But but that story was one of my favorite Stephen King stories growing up. And that story is maybe 15 pages long. And they made like a series one and they are making a series two out of it. Oh, shit. Um, So there's that. Um, Then there's the weird Stephen King adaptations like Castle Rock, which if you have 
have not seen it. It's it is on Castle Hulu. Rock is good. It's so, I finally finished the second season. Cause I never got around to watching it. And yeah. I'm like, holy crap, that was really good. I wish they made a third season of this. Yeah, you know what? I never uh, it, it, I, I never finished second season of Castle Rock. There was a second season of Nos- Nosferatu also, wasn't there? I haven't finished that one either. Yeah, no, I, I got to go Joe back Hill, and do yeah, those. Yeah, yeah. Did, that's, that, that's right. That is Joe Hill. But I yes. guess so. So my first reaction to this, and the reason I have so many questions about Pennywise, but Pennywise is, is in Nosferatu in the books. Okay. So there is a connection there, and and that's fine. All of that is fine, and I feel like all of this is fine as long as no one gets into the guts of it. When you say like we're gonna roll more into the backstory of Pennywise, no one. In the history of literature, has ever gotten anywhere trying to explain Eldritch horror. Right. So that is my caveat. Like, like that's. I don't know if this is directly being like helped by the, the King mm. or Hill or whoever. If it's not, then like take it easy on the explanations. Yeah. Like, please don't like like turn Pennywise into like an angry fart cloud that like someone <laughs> coughed up, you know, when they were lynched in the 1600s or something. I don't need that. Don't right. do that. Yeah. That's dumb. This could go both ways. It could be good. It could be bad. I actually haven't watched the second it movie, so I need to do that oh, at some point you, you, too. Yeah. <laughs> we need to do that. I too. need to actually rewatch the first one. Cause I got really drunk during the first one and oh, I think yeah. passed out for part of it. So I just need to do a, a, a yeah, that, that, that's just a, a two parter. Yep. Yeah. So if you were looking for some feel-good news this week, you actually happen to be in luck. Uh, recently, Humble Bundle, a service that provides games, books, and more for charity, uh, recently held uh, something that was called the Humble Stand with Ukraine Bundle. Nice. All proceeds went to organizations that were helping to provide relief um, in the war against Ukraine. Because of that bundle, they were actually able to raise over $20 million. And while that bundle is no longer up to be able to donate to. And it was something like thousands of games that you could get in that bundle. Mm-hmm. Um, they are planning new bundles soon to go to the same efforts. So we will try and keep you appraised as soon as we hear about them because it is going to a really good cause. And wow, I just love talking about gaming and charity because gamers always turn up for charity. Do you have anything in there about what Fortnite did? No, I actually don't. Okay, so this is... This is Kind of amazing. And I've never, ever in my life had a reason or chance to talk about Fortnite in a positive way. Mm -hmm. But so here's what was going on. Basically, Fortnite very, very quietly released their new season of content. Mm -hmm. Um, There wasn't fanfare, and there's always fanfare. There's always like, yeah, we got fucking, um, you know, a brand new performance from the broken up band, you know, Daft Punk, uh, playing in front of a hologram of Tupac with the Avengers behind them, voiced by all the original characters. Mm -hmm. And it's a concert. Just come to it in Fortnite. Mm -hmm. Just sign on. They do big, big shit. And the reason they didn't advertise any of their season before it dropped was because the Ukrainian war had just started and the invasion of Ukraine had just started and their entire season was like war shit. It was like, now we got tanks and we Mm -hmm. got jets and we got fucking, you can bomb people. And it's like, no, good. So what Fortnite decided to do was they said, and oh my God, all proceeds from real rent money purchases in Fortnite from when this began, which was a couple weeks ago, until it's actually a, been a one month, a, a month, a, a month like this week. Yeah, because April third is the last day, which will probably, which I think is like Monday. Yeah. Um. So it's been a month. Uh. To this point, all real money proceeds paid to Fortnite. Every single dime mm. 
would go to to to, to Ukraine. Mm-hmm. It's over a hundred million dollars. Holy shit! Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, wow. and I mean, like, let's like, like we like, like real, real math. Like, let's talk about how this isn't like a dent in what the infrastructure cost in Ukraine is. Like, they didn't just save Ukraine, right? Right. But like, this is insane. Mm-hmm. This is like the most generous donation I've ever seen. And mm-hmm. all they did was throw in all of the money that they make for a month. Yeah. They've been making this much money a month for four oh, yeah. days. Yeah, years and years, over half a decade now. Yeah. So. I don't know. This was just a really good move mm-hmm. from people who were not publicly, but maybe quietly trying yeah, to be like, maybe, maybe war is really insensitive. Maybe yeah. we shouldn't have released all the tank stuff. Maybe we should stick to the ponies and squirt guns. Yeah. And um, yeah, here's some money because don't invade sovereign nations. Yeah. Yeah. God, I just... $100 million. I just needed some feel-good news. Not all the news this week is feel-good. I just hate to spoil that for you right now, but... At least we can revel in that for a moment. Yeah. Uh, While we don't have the numbers, Paramount Plus is reporting that the new Halo TV show has broken records for them. Now is their most watched series premiere worldwide in the first 24 hours of its launch. It's already been renewed for a second season, even with the fact that each episode of Halo being created costs about $10 million. All right, so <laughs> let's talk about the most watched show on Paramount Plus. <laughs> I would really love to know a how many viewers actually saw it, and b what the second most watched show on Paramount <laughs> Plus is. I because I, like this feels like, and don't get me wrong, I love this service with my entire heart and other people's hearts around me. I would love to see like the numbers for the highest rated thing on Shutter. Because I bet you they're probably a lot better than whatever the fuck's happening on Paramount. Probably the Plus. Joe Bob Briggs of Elvira crossover yeah. episode. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and you know what? I'd watch that right now. But theres I don't think there's anything that could make me buy a subscription to Paramount+. Plus. Like, Are they even advertising themselves? Like, they're not they doing are. anything. They are. They are advertising themselves. Now, I have heard. I, we have not watched Halo yet. We We're going to try and watch it this week so we can talk about it next week. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't hear a whole lot of great things about the first episode. I've heard the second one's a lot better. Okay. So maybe it's just better that we waited for two episodes and yep. we can kind of judge from there. And that's fine. But everyone with an Xbox Game Pass should know. And this is news I'm spreading out into the world. With your Xbox Game Pass comes a 30-day free trial of Paramount+. Plus. So if you really want to watch the Halo show, uh, maybe just uh, don't activate that until the show's got all the episodes online. Then activate it. It, it, it. it sounds like a good deal. Yeah. Thank you again, uh, Game Pass. <laughs> Early reports today, actually, are saying that the Los Angeles-based gaming trade show E3 has been canceled this year. Mm-hmm. The in-person event has actually been closed uh, for the last couple of years, opting to go with a digital-only model. Uh, but an email was sent out earlier today that the digital event won't be happening either. This comes after reports that there was a COVID outbreak at the recent Game Developers Conference. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. I mean, we're not like, we're not done with the pandemic. Um, I don't understand why they canceled the digital thing because right. of a COVID so, outbreak. And, and this is kind of like in the ether right now, and I don't want to confirm, but I believe Jeff Keighley did say that even though E3 isn't happening, he's still going to be doing his summer game fest that mm-hmm. he usually does alongside of E3. Yeah. So there'll still be some content coming out of around E3. I have a feeling because like without E3, like not even digitally, mm-hmm. then... We don't have any, we, we have like very little gaming news for the rest of the year, all the way up until like TGS, which is what, like September? Yeah. So 
We already knew the summer Unless was going to... Unless Gamescom is August. I can't remember. It's one or the other. Right. Well, yeah. we, al- we already knew the summer was going to be dry. Summers are always dry for AAA releases. But as of right now, there are no like major triple releases on the calendar for yeah, the rest of the year. Because we got through February. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because somehow we all survived gaming in February. So... I don't know, like, like if we're not going to announce new games this summer for the winter, like, I don't, like, are we going to do it in, in, in September? <laughs> in August? Like, I don't know. And you know what? It's fine. Like, all of that is fine. I, I, I shouldn't be jonesing for, like, my commercial, like, sure. emporium, right? But at the same time, I, it's I don't know. It feels weird. It feels weird. You'd come over, we'd watch some shit. Yeah, yeah. It's E3, thing. man. Like, even yeah. when E3 was nothing, there was still E3. Yeah. Even when E3 was like, we're downscaling it into only journalists, there was still an E3. You still mm-hmm. got news coverage. Just not having E3 feels weird. So I am of two minds about this. So mm-hmm. hang with me. The person who does this podcast that likes to hang out with his friends and drink mm-hmm. and watch E3 that sometimes took days off of work, the only days off a year I would take off, yep. so I could sit on my friend's couch and watch E3, that part of me is really hurting inside mm-hmm. because I was really looking forward to it. Yeah. Also, E3 is a really easy episode for us to record. <laughs> um, but there's the other side of me, and it's the person who's been doing this show as long as I have and been reading the testimonials of the people who work within the industry and sympathizing with people who do things like crunch to make the games that we love and how stressful something like E3 can be for them because they have to stop what they're doing, make a new demo, make a new video, do a thing. It, it, it interrupts their workflow. So yes, the, the gamer in me wants so badly for E3 to happen, but there's a part of me that loves game devs so much that I'm just like, good on you guys. At least you don't have to go through that shit. Yeah. So it is what it is. Agreed. I do. It it will be a nice break for game developers everywhere. Absolutely. And now it's time for the section of our show that cannot seem to die where we have to ask the question, Blizzard, are you okay? Oh, God. They're not okay. I've got two news items here, so I'm going to list them off, and then we can go into them further. Okay. First up, Blizzard has paid $18 million to settle a federal lawsuit that accused the company of fostering a discriminatory workplace. Um, The fund will be distributed amongst people who worked at Activision Blizzard from September 1st, 2016 to today. In other Blizzard news, some U.S. senators, who include Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren, are asking for the Activision Blizzard buyout by Microsoft to go under the microscope a bit more in light of all of the news coming out about Activision Blizzard recently. Now, big mergers do have to be approved by the U.S. government because of antitrust laws, Mm -hmm. but it seems like this is not going to be a smooth sailing deal for quite some time. Yeah, man. I mean, well, we get new Blizzard fucking sexual assault, like, court news every single day at this point. I need to remind everybody that with that $18 million settlement, um, and I don't... I, I don't hold it against anybody who took this money for taking this money. Sometimes you just need to take some fucking money. Mm. We all know that. We all live in America. None of us are rich. If you're rich and listening to this podcast, please let me know. Please tweet at us. <laughs> please do donate yeah. to the show. <laughs> yeah, and maybe donate to some of that free money you earn in interest to the show. But um, for all of the rest of us, uh, yeah, sometimes you need some money. That being said, in order to receive money from this settlement, you had to sign a waiver saying that the separate lawsuit filed by the state of California against Activision Blizzard, if that 
released any funds that you would be ineligible to receive them. Mm -hmm. Basically meaning that, that whatever reward the state of California seeks, it will probably be smaller because you're not in that pool. Mm -hmm. Also, $18 million is less than one day's profit from Call of Duty Warzone. Mm -hmm. So, no, I, I, we could have done better. We could have done better. Again, nothing against the people who took the money, but... It, I mean, they definitely it's, it's deserve that enough. money. Enough. They they deserve way more than yeah. that. But this isn't. They're not. Like, no one forgives Activision Blizzard for this horrible bullshit. Right. Like 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 just fuck because you guys. just because you paid. Yeah. Like like straight right. up. Like this is money you owe people, and you owe them much more than this. But yeah, I feel like this was never going to go away. Uh, like Activision Blizzard has been trying to cover this stuff up since the news of the merger was announced yeah. because everyone needs their golden parachute and everyone needs a jump ship. But if they start digging in, like what happens if they start finding out who knew what, when, and at so that I'm, I'm going to give you some interesting insight that I found out this week, kind of through a third party. Mm -hmm. I had heard that, um, there was going to be a shareholders meeting for Activision Blizzard. Mm -hmm. And the two big things that were being voted on um, were supposed to be, and, and I may be misquoting this because I, I don't have their email in front of me. Mm -hmm. um, the first thing was whether or not the Activision Blizzard merger should happen with Microsoft. Mm -hmm. And that was just like a yes or no, I guess, or however it is they vote for yep. it. And the second one was something like, should the board of directors receive payment I think it, I don't know again. I don't know the wording for this. I, I wish I had it in front of me. But mm -hmm. it was like, should the Activision board of directors receive additional payment, but essentially bonuses, right, for the Activision Blizzard deal? And you could like uh, vote against the board on that, from what I understand. And so like, nice. You could say I do want Microsoft to purchase them, yes. but I do not want the board of directors to get anything. Yeah, I so, mean that again, I would absolutely vote yeah, for that. Yeah. <laughs> and again, I don't have it in front of me, so but I would have to go back and, and actually read what it all said. But yeah, that was well, where's my option for let's take all of those bonuses and distribute to everyone under management level. Right. Like, like just, yeah. there you go. There, there's all your cash. So then we have the second part of this, right? We have all these U.S. senators who are coming in and saying, like, we're seeing the news about this, and Microsoft's coming in to buy this company. Mm -hmm. This is all getting, not only is this a big company buying another big company, but, like, this could be, like, pretty shady considering that they would be able to just sweep up all of the past transgressions under the rug. Right, because it's it's over, right? Like, it's the Texas two-step again, like we talked last week. Like, the company changes its name or, you know, all of the appropriate umbrellas are switched and now you cannot actually hold anyone accountable for anything bad that happened right. in the past. And yeah, that's that's super fucked up. But let's not forget, like, and, and this is might not be, I don't know, but I'm still going to say it. Like, there's... The entire, like, the amount of control we know that, like, Tencent and China have over Activision and Blizzard specifically, mm -hmm. um, especially when it comes to, like, international stuff and, like, uh, tournaments mm -hmm. and things like that, to have them, like, without any kind of investigation or vetting be moved into Microsoft, like, it, it seems like someone needs to look at a lot of that. And I'm sure very, very well-paid people are. Mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah, I've, I've, what can I say besides I have questions? Yeah, I have so many questions. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, I think we've... Every week there's something new with Activision Blizzard. And I wish I wish we could get to a week where we didn't have to talk about it. Yeah. But 
It's, I still think it's too much money. You know what? If, if the government said like, all right, let's chop these things off. And instead of like enough money to cure hunger in the world, mm-hmm. let's like, how about like, like, like 15 billion, right? Yeah. Like, and we'll take the rest of that and we'll like feed humans. Right. Like, yeah. Fuck. It's all complicated. But yeah, Activision Blizzard, we're going to keep talking about it because it's going to keep happening. Uh, and that's everything that we have for the news this week. Yeah. Uh, now I know that section kind of sucked a little bit, but we do have fun <laughs> things to talk about. So stick with us because it's about to get spooky in the boss room. Boss room. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the show. This is the boss room, our main topic for the show. Sometimes related to the news, sometimes not. This week's topic is Resident Evil, and we're going to break it down in two rounds. First, we're going to be talking about Resident Evil 8, and then we're going to be discussing the future of the franchise as a whole. Because we're going to be talking about Resident Evil 8 to start with, and probably 7, I just want to put a light spoiler warning in here, because, again, this is going to be kind of just us giving our thoughts about the game in general. Mm -hmm. We don't have a bulleted list of all the things that we want to hit. So if spoilers come up, which there really isn't much to spoil about this game, by the way. Right. And like, it's, it's not it's not one of those games you're like, oh, I know the ending of Resident Evil 8. Well, I'm not going to play that. Yeah. but And also, like, I'd love to talk about each section because they're all so different. Mm-hmm. Um, and e- even if we're like, no, I'm not going to miss any. I remember them all. But um, there's something good about each one that's good to talk about. And no matter how much we talk about them, you'll still have fun experiencing them. Right. So uh, why don't like, I, like a lot. I normally ask you to kick things things off with, mm-hmm. with our discussions. I think I'm going to start first this yeah. week because I'm in the middle of playing Resident Evil 8. When I mm-hmm. say I'm in the middle of playing Resident Evil 8, I mean I'm in my second playthrough of Resident Evil 8. And Resident Evil 8 is so good that I got two-thirds of the way through my first playthrough of Resident Evil 8 and was already thinking about my second playthrough. My first playthrough probably me about eight to ten hours. My second playthrough where I am attempting to 100% everything, which means get all of the items and get all of the books and all of the notes for the trophies, I am about... Uh, five hours in Mm -hmm. and basically done. And the only reason I'm technically like six hours in is because I spent another hour, hour and a half using the one place in the game where you can actually farm enemies. And Uh I've been farming enemies to get my Magnum to max. I'm not maxing everything. I'm just maxing the Magnum so that I can then take that Magnum get unlimited ammo. And then already I am thinking about a third playthrough <laughs> yeah. on village of the damn difficulty where I've got my Magnum and I'm going to go through it. And that's the beauty of it. I think there's a lot of people who hate the fact that resident evil eight is so short. Mm-hmm. Um, and understand first off it's a miracle. And there's a YouTuber actually said this. I'm stealing somebody else's words. Um, that said it's a miracle. This game got made because yeah. it did get made in the middle of COVID. Um, it got made and it came out and it was great. Yeah. And yeah, you can probably, there is an achievement for beating the game in three hours. I mean, you got to be like good yeah. to beat it in three hours. But honestly, my, my second playthrough, I was already towards the end at about four hours. And that was me with me going hard, trying to hundred percent it. I'm like, you know, I could probably turn this on casual and go full knife because there oh, is yeah. a knife only achievement. And I'm like, <laughs> I can do that. Yeah. And that's the thing is that much like the Resident Evil 2 remake, I found myself wanting to play it again while I was already playing it. Mm -hmm. And so with that in mind, yes, the game, I did get it on sale. I got it. I got the deluxe edition for like 45 bucks Mm -hmm. uh, and then totally forgot to install all the optional content. (laughs) I got through my entire first playthrough and I'm like, that's weird. I thought I had extra optional content because the deluxe edition Then I went and looked and I'm like, oh, I forgot to download it. Oh, well. Well, here we I go. Got to play it again anyway. Let's go. Um, so the first impression of Resident Evil 8 is, yeah, I played it. 
and I'm playing it again. And now I'm considering when I'm going to be playing it again after that because I'm towards the end right now. I'm just doing my little bit of farming. I'm almost mm-hmm. done. I'm going to get that magnum. And I'm going to go into Village of the Damned. I'm going to do it. I'm going to beat that difficulty. And then I might try the knife-only run on casual just to see if I can do it. All of the achievements and trophies in this game are built in such a way that if you want to get more out of the game, they're giving it to you. Mm-hmm. They, they go, yeah, try and beat it in like three hours. I'm like... You know, with this Magnum, I probably fucking could actually. Yeah. Um, or like do a knife only run. I'm like, well, I won't do that on hardcore, but I can do that on casual and like be, you know, pretty good with it. Yeah. Um, Consider yourself threatened with a good time. Right. I genuinely loved Resident Evil 7. Um, it felt like this return to horror. Mm-hmm. It was this, I mean, it's straight up Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Mm-hmm. It's all done in first person. It had a little bit of Resident Evil campiness to it. I was here for it. Yep. Resident Evil 8 is... How do I put this? Resident Evil 7 is to Resident Evil 2 what Resident Evil 4 is to Resident Evil 8. Yeah. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Because they, they, Resident Evil 4 took such a drastic change in the direction of the game, and that's exactly what they did with Resident Evil 8. And it still works, and it's still fun, and there were still tense moments. If I have one opinion that I came out of playing Resident Evil 8 with, it was I finally got a good PT game. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I got through the second section of Resident Evil 8 and went, I just played the full game of PT. There's the endless hallway. There's the creepy laughter. There are the creepy babies. <laughs> I got, and you have no weapons, just no. like PT. No, no, no. They're, 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 you're not in there to fight. And I went, because developers of PT did work on Resident Evil 7 and 8. Mm. And it's, the lifeblood is in there. Every bit of Resident Evil 8 screams substance, style, fun, and in great empowering format. So I didn't know if I, I knew that I wanted to play a second run after I played the first run, but I had this thought in the back of my head. I was like, well, if I'm just gonna have to start from ground zero, I don't really know if I want to do that again. I was like, but if the game gives me an option after I beat it Mm -hmm. to get a weapon, doesn't matter what, just not a knife. It could be a pistol. It could be whatever that gives me unlimited ammo. I will go back and do a second run and you finish the game and they give you the option. Like, here's all the thing points you, you earned while you were playing any weapon you maxed out while you were playing, you can now purchase an unlimited ammo upgrade for. And I went, Okay. Yep. I'm going to keep playing. Got to keep playing. And so, and the thing is the game doesn't, even if you haven't maxed out a weapon, because Mm -hmm. it's really hard to do, there are some weapons that exist um, that are quote maxed out from the beginning, which is uh, Chris's pistol, Chris's uh, SMG, which is the one that I got was Chris's SMG. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's all I bought was just a Chris's SMG. I unlocked that and then I unlocked unlimited ammo for it. And that was it. I didn't touch anything else. And I'm like, all right, that's what I'm doing. And I've gone going through it with this SMG and it's been glorious. All right. So what I'd like, and and let, let, not to like take over or lead no, the discussion no, no, or anything, but I would because you're so close to it, and I definitely have my own opinions, and I'll chime in. I'd like to just like name parts of the game and ask for your like takeaway. Sure. So like we start at the beginning, right, with the Winter's house, mm-hmm. um, and you have you have the whole cutscene of like because a uh, uh, personal confession i before eight I hadn't finished a Resident Evil game since five. Mm-hmm. Um, six was. 
I was yeah. playing it through in multiplayer with a friend until the game shit itself because it's a shitty game mm-hmm. and we couldn't play anymore and I wasn't going to finish it on my by myself. The game sucks ass. Um, got to seven and I have to say I legitimately like seven, but I fell off of it because I, I don't know, man. All the enemies kind of felt the same to me. And by the time I got to the boat, like out of the house and like, oh, we're going to go to this boat. I... I just never picked you it up right again. You were right at the end. You were right yeah, at the end. Yeah, I know, I know. I just never picked it up again. I just, I, I realized I, I didn't it's care anymore. It's worth going back and playing, I think. Okay. played eight. Okay. Yeah. Then that's fair. Um, but eight, like, I started eight going like, all right, let's see what happens. Let's see if this holds my attention. And when the game was over, I did exactly what you did. I just started the game back up again, right? So the whole beginning of the game and getting all the way into the village, but like... You get into the village and there's the whole like, you know, that that's I mean, that like I'd like to hear like what you thought about like 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 each section, you know. Okay, so I'll break the first part down. Um, Ethan's story at the beginning, it was really kind of heartfelt. You're sitting there playing, they got mm. the baby, you put the baby away. I took my time in that section. Yeah. I really just um I want to do a set a boss room about this, uh probably here soon, about mm. quiet places in video games. Yeah. Um, because I really like them. And that's what I did is I took my time in the house because I knew that it's Resident Evil. Shit's about to get real at some point. Mm-hmm. And so if that meant having wine and dinner with my wife, then that's great. I want to take that time. Yeah. Um, there were definitely those moments where like Ethan would try to talk to her and she'd like twitch her eye or something. I'm like, oh, yeah. is bitch cray? Yeah. Like she, um, she, she wasn't, she, she wasn't in a talking mood. Yeah. I'm like, oh, she got really offended. Like that I was talking, but then, but you, but there's, there's sympathy there because both of you had been through an extreme situation. Mm-hmm. If you spend your time in the house, you see that she's taking medication. She's really having trouble coping. There's yep. a lot of PTSD from all of it. And so, like, it's easy to, for me to crack the joke, like, oh, God, bitch, it's cray. But, like, but really, like, they've both been through a traumatic experience. Yeah. There's, a sim- there's a sympathy there. Mm-hmm. By the way, I just need to point out, just as, as a statement of fact here, the first playthrough of Resident Evil 7 that I did play, I did not take Mia with me. Oh, I no. went for the other person. <laughs> Because I was like, my crazy wife put me in this crazy house, and she is crazy. Yeah, and I she gonna, did like pretty uh, much like stab me. Right, a lot I was earlier. like, she stabbed me a lot. So I'm gonna go with the person who hasn't stabbed me a lot. I yeah. get that it's not canon, but that was my that was my choice. You know what? That's fine. The first the, the first time I went through MGS, I I saved Otacon. Yeah, and you know, so I I go through the whole bit at the very beginning, and I take my time with it, and it was a lot of fun. And then we get into the village proper after a bunch of pomp and circumstance, mm-hmm. and it was just, you know, tenth from the beginning. Yeah. Um, I apparently, and this is not my words. This was like you and a friend mm-hmm. of ours talking. Apparently I played so well that like I forced a cutscene or something. Yeah. Yeah. You, there's a, there's a whole like, and Resident Evil is famous for this. Well, they're like, they'll use a set piece moment to funnel you into a specific place so that a cutscene plays properly and it doesn't feel, it feels organic. It feels mm. like this really happened to you in the game, not like they moved you from box A to box B right. so that box B event could happen. Yeah. But that, like, that's what's actually going on. But yeah. And like, it's very well crafted. Even in my second playthrough, where where I was beefed up, this still happened in this order for me. So yeah, for you to like, 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 not like, like to to be dragged through the cutscene like without having like entered the proper area first is hilarious to me. Yeah. So the way that it's supposed to happen is that at some point while you're fighting these hordes of werewolves off, mm-hmm. this dude's gonna show up with a hammer and he's gonna start attacking. Yep. Unless you are really either good or hide very well Mm -hmm. and you can basically just take out enemies and then what'll happen is it'll get you it'll start 
funneling you and kind of overwhelming you to where you have to like run out of the space. Yep. But instead of the dude jumping down and trying to fight you, an arrow will be th- shot at you. And that's how mm. you know if you've done well. Okay. Is the arrow hits you and that's what knocks you down and that's when the big guy comes in. Oh. If he comes in and just starts swinging, that means you just ran out. Okay. Right? Okay. But the arrow is the indicator of like, oh. you know, oh, you like hid, you hid long enough or you mm-hmm. fought well long enough and like... So yeah, I did that and that was cool. We then get to meet the four lords, which are which is kind of awesome. <laughs> it every, is. Every, it's like Dark Souls awesome. It's yeah. like these are the four fucking like kings of their kingdoms. Yeah. Everybody has a great personality. Mm-hmm. Everybody plays off of each other. I could watch a movie just about the four lords hanging out and oh, having coffee. Easily. Easily. I would you love know? that. I would just be like like every time the leader talks, you'd be like, pipe down, I'm listening to the lords. Right. Yeah. Um, that was great. And of course, after that, you go into Lady oh, D's castle. Yeah. Castle Dimitrescu. Yeah. Castle yeah. Dimitrescu. Uh, it was everything that I wanted and more. Um, because this is the one that was heavily featured in all of the trailers. Right. Yeah. So you kind of feel like I've seen this before, but uh, I, yeah, I'll let you continue. The, no. For me, as I was exploring it, I realized how little they had actually showed me mm-hmm. and how large the area actually was and how like. I swear to God, like every bit of it is beautiful. Every mm-hmm. bit of it. I'm looking I would live around there. going like, I would live I there. I would live here. I would live there. And like most castles I yeah. see, I'm like, this is weird. Who would live in here? No, I'd live in there. Yeah. All the, all the furniture seems super comfy. Mm. All of the big rooms have like really dark ceilings. And all they the rooms like, seem practical, by the way. Yeah. They all seem like places people would yeah. live. This is the room where you bathe. This yep. is the room where you get ready. This is the room where you sleep. Mm. They all have like balconies and windows and parapets you can walk around and shit. Mm. Like it, it's beautiful. Oh, man. Yeah. So from there, um, and then this is the one that I want to, I really want to get your impression on is House Beneviento. House Beneviento, the best house. The best house. <laughs> so, so Maybe to, the so, oldest so, house? So to give you some perspective on how much I enjoyed this game, um, I know that I said that you know I beat it and then I immediately wanted to go play it afterwards. I gave myself like a, mm. a, a, a sleeping time between those things. But what I did was I did beat the game mm. and I had to make dinner. And so I made dinner. And while I made dinner and ate dinner, I turned on this last year's... Uh, GDQ speed run of Resident Evil. Ah, nice. And so for the next two hours, while I wound down for the evening, I just watched the speed run. Mm -hmm. And I got to learn so much about it. I had no idea you could shoot crows. Oh, yeah. I didn't know, like, you could actually shoot them from a far enough distance they won't fly off. And, like, I'm not, when I watch speed runs, I'm not trying to absorb every bit of information that the Mm -hmm. speedrunner tells me. But because I was so fresh coming out of the game, I carried so much of that knowledge with me into into my second playthrough of it. And there's something that they said during the House Benevito section, which was... This is the best section of the game, mm-hmm. but the worst for speedrunners. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. game-wise, like, it's gorgeous and mm-hmm. terrifying. Yeah. And it is PT. It is it literally is. It PT. It is just PT. Like, you are powerless to do anything other than run and solve puzzles. And I loved every minute of it. And it was tense. And God, it just, ooh, the entire thing. Yeah. And it was even, like, interesting. Like, like, the, like the, the sections of the doll and, like, manipulating, mm-hmm. like, the wooden joints and trying to find the right puzzle for based on, like, context clues you've gotten in this horrifying house you're walking around in. The only thing they did didn't do and I didn't think about this till the second playthrough. Mm-hmm. And this is gonna sound stupid, but it's something they did in PT. 
when the child is crying, it should have come through the microphone on the controller. Oh yeah, because yeah. nothing is more nothing. That terri- probably would have really fucked. Nothing people. terrifies my cats, by the way, oh. than any sound coming out of that controller. <laughs> they they could be fine. Oh, then, you did. You just wait till you pick up um uh, uh the the uh the 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 shooty one. I, I just oh, lost Returnal. It. Returnal. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that'll scare some cats. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it, like I was playing Guardians of the Galaxy and they'd be like sleeping away, two cats happily sleeping in my lap. And then like the controller would be like, I am Groot. And they're just like, oh my God, run. <laughs> um, yeah, so from there we end up at the Reservoir. Now yes. for me, this was probably my least favorite section of the game. Now that being said, I did not not enjoy it. It just didn't. Yeah. I was never disturbed by it in any way. It was more of just like... It was a gross factor. It was a gross factor and like a lot of swampy puzzles and the short claustrophobic bit that they do put you in mm-hmm. um, just didn't feel as dangerous as yeah, the other ones Yeah, I didn't feel to. a whole lot of tension really. Yeah. And the thing is, is like... <sighs> there was one puzzle that was really clever at first, but so once you Lady figured D it out... So the Lady D fight when like, I first eh. went into that one, mm-hmm. um, it was... It was kind of easy because I the figured boss out, fight? Uh, the boss fight. Okay. Because I figured so my first run, by the way, I didn't die very much unless mm-hmm. something one shot at me. Right. Um but I figured out you could like stand inside the parapet and yeah. you just like shoot at her and she couldn't reach you. So I'm like, all right, cool, I'm just gonna hunker down in here and shoot at her. This is fine. Yep. And then when it got to the uh I would honestly say that the boss fights might be the weaker part of the game mm-hmm. f- for the most part. Um then you come across Moreau. Uh, very on the nose name, by the way, guys. Um, so you come across Moreau, who's a scientist who experiments on things. I wonder mm. where he got that from. Weird. Uh, but you know, sometimes it's just funny. I mean, Resident Evil is very tongue in cheek. Yeah, that's it, true. It, it, it's always been like lol vampires, right? Right. Like the, the the games did stop taking themselves seriously after a while. Oh yeah. And the fun of this game is the fun of this, and the Moreau boss fight is when I started to feel the Resident Evil superpower kicking in. That moment in the game where you go from powerless to powerful. Yeah. And I felt like they gave me more than enough items. And like in Resident Evil seven, I felt desperate for ammo a lot of the time. Like I felt Uh like I was scraping for shit. By the time I got to the Moreau fight, I'm just like Rambo. Mm -hmm. I'm just like, all right, let's fucking do this. Um, Plus they had barrels everywhere. Some shooting barrels and the whole thing was, you know, um, like that's like you're talking about like the factory area. So the Moreau fight happens when you drain the water. Oh right, right. Oh giant fish man. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. yeah. You, and then you run around and you grab all the items yeah. and explosives and everything and just mm-hmm. like chuck and, and stuff. And you just out lay them down and let them like yeah. walk. By over. the way, guys, uh, tip if you haven't played it, mines and pipe bombs are your friend. Oh god, yeah. Like like way like more so than even like Duke Nukem 3D. Yeah. Like use the mines and use the pipe bombs. Mm-hmm. They fucking wreck everything. Shit. So that brings us into the factory. Now, this is where it does get a little bit tense. Yeah. The tension finally ramped back up when we got to Heisenberg. Mm-hmm. Or the... It's before Heisenberg's factory. It's the... The stronghold? It's the stronghold. Yeah. Um, there's a whole side area that you could do off the stronghold as well. Mm-hmm. Um, the stronghold was tough. Because the stronghold... By the way, that's the area you can keep farming. Mm-hmm. Um, the stronghold just throws waves of enemies at you. And I went into it 
very unprepared. Mm-hmm. And that was on me. If I had done a little bit more preparation, I would have been fine. But the thing is, I had just done the side area first. Mm-hmm. And there's a boss in that side area that takes all of your ammunition <laughs> and weapons to kill him. It's worth it. But good God. Is that the one um, on the way to House Beneviento in the graveyard? Or? No, that's it's the same kind of boss, though. Okay. So it's on the way to the stronghold. Mm-hmm. Right before you walk into this uh, bridge area, mm-hmm. um, you turn left, and it's uh, it's in the grass. Oh, I don't think I've been over there. If you, okay. che- if you check your map, there is a treasure listed there. Okay. And so you can find your path over there, and there's just like a big dude. Yep. And this big dude just like eats everything. So I had blown my load at that point. Mm-hmm. Then I went to the stronghold. Yeah. Fuck. Oh, all that thing wants is ammo. That, yeah. the, the, that is a place designed to drink your ammo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and that, that whole section was fine. Um, I really, uh, like, like, as far as, like, the whole, like, industrial, like, gothic machine horror, I... I, I I 50-50 that stuff usually. Like, yeah. sometimes it's really cool, and sometimes it's a way overdone. Right. And, like, I don't need to see... Like, like this isn't, like, Warhammer, like, Necromunda. Mm-hmm. Like, we I don't need to see the blood coming out of the drill arm while it's drilling, trying to kill me. Like, right. Like, it's a little, it's a little much, but... Well, but, but the thing is, when you say that, you always keep in the back of your mind that this mm-hmm. game was built for both just the average player and mm-hmm. for VR. That's true. That's true. So, so and, and all the detail was amazing. Like, when Lady D's holding you up and you're like, fucking step on me, mommy. Yeah. That was made so that you were watching that through fucking virtual reality. Ooh, yeah. No, and, I'm, and, and I can't wait to experience that. Like, I don't think I would ever play 7 in VR. Mm-hmm. It's a little too... Like, I, I have a thing about VR. Like, like VR spooks are different. Like, mm-hmm. I might run into a wall. Yeah. But um, eight, I would absolutely play in VR. Yeah. Uh, up until the um, uh, Heisenberg's Fortress boss, the, the dude that's just half legs, half propeller, oh, and God. airplane engine, like, like I pretty much until okay. we started talking about this, I had blocked him from my memory because, like, so, Jesus Christ. Let me tell you guy. about the beauty of that character. <laughs> The beauty of that character comes in the way that you feel empowered when you play a Resident Evil game. So for a Resident Evil game, oftentimes you're very disempowered for most of the game. Mm-hmm. As you get towards the end of the game, you become empowered and you f- take the, 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 all the knowledge that you have, all the weapons that you have, and you go, I've got this because I understand yep. the situation. I understand everything that's going on. What happens with that particular boss is that you spend so much time in fear of him and running away from him because he will basically one-shot you. Mm -hmm. And then the game tells you when it's going to be okay. Yeah. Because you pick up a note where it's it's actually Heisenberg writing, so that experiment was a complete failure. He's as dumb as a box of rocks. He runs into walls. Mm -hmm. And you go, oh, well, I guess the only reason he's scary is because he's been chasing me down hallways. If I get him into a room, then... And that's exactly what yep. he, the game empowers you through text at that point by being like, by the way, that guy's really dumb. Yeah, yeah. He'll run right into a wall. It, it, it's mostly he works on sound because the, it, the, the top half of his body is an engine with a propeller on it. Yeah. <laughs> so. I will say that Heisenberg's whole section was very fascinating to me because yes. I know that for for ages we've always had this concept of um, the zombies in Resident Evil being weaponized. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the whole point. They're called bioweapons. Right. That's a whole ass thing. Biohazard. But in this whole new world where theoretically, and we don't know, mm-hmm. Umbrella's been going for a while, the zombies are a thing that has been happening, a character like Heisenberg makes sense to me. Oh, yeah, same. Absolutely. Who's, like, who's not like, I'm just going to make a zombie mm-hmm. because a zombie as a weapon is an ineffective weapon yeah. to him. 
Like yeah. uh, uh, he, he's not like pontificating on his like T virus, right? He's right. out there like I can use like magnetism and machine guns and like like metal and tracks. He, he's and... very much that Wolfenstein World War Two. Oh yeah, Nazi zombie but robots. Yeah, and and that you know I hate to say it, but that shit works for me. No, it's good shit. No, he would fit perfectly. You know well who are in great bad guys? Games. Nazis. Yeah, They're great bad guys. Yeah, because you don't have to humanize them. Because <laughs> what's the point? You're yeah. gonna punch them in the face. But yeah, Nazis. you've got Heisenberg who's just there going like all right so we have these zombie things mm-hmm. they're all kind of crap they'll either take over a region immediately or they'll just get shot in the first five seconds yeah so what about robo zombies yeah. i'm like robo zombies are my shit you know though. what robo zombies seem correct because instead of doing this number maybe you put like a jetpack on their back and they run and then they right. have knife arms and the thing is like, about is it is like, we're also burnt out of zombies at this point yeah but like the thing about it is because i do love like cheesy ass horror if you, you could be like would you here's this white clock in would you like this zombie and i will be like no i would not like this zombie mm-hmm. and they'll be like would you like the zombie if i'm putting a thing on my can if we put robot arms on it <laughs> and i'll be like my well, yes yeah yes yeah, I will. you know like, what oh, i would buy that let's take the zombie and put them in the snow Ooh. And I'm like, ooh, that's different. <laughs> Let's try that. Yeah. Like, like it's the same. My bar is low is what I'm no, saying. But so, you know, for horror, sometimes you just need a hook. That's right. all you need is a hook. It's like a good song. But by the end of the Heisenberg thing, you have these full mecha like zombies coming after you. Know, oh, like, I'm actually kind of terrified of these guys. Absolutely. And I, I will say, and this might be an unpopular opinion because there are some... And like you said, that like, no, 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 that might not be an unpopular, but whatever. Heisenberg is my favorite boss fight. It's such a weird boss fight. It's so dumb and it's it's like completely outside of the game. It is literally just the most, well, until you're Chris Redfield, it is the most (laughs) empowered you have felt in a Resident Evil game in a long time. Mm -hmm. Like even like like take six and just toss it out the window because you should have a while ago anyway. And just like be be the tank. Be the tank. It's robot where, jocks. where your left arm jocks. is a gun and your right arm is a super chainsaw and you are fighting a mech zombie monster god. Yeah. And just enjoy it's, it. Just have a it's, good it's time. It's bot wars. It's robot jocks. Yeah. It's so dumb. Like the fact that Heisenberg... It's real steel. <laughs> the fact that Heisenberg makes a joke about Chris Redfield in mm. the middle of the fight where he like calls him like, a boulder punching something. And yep. you're like... Wow, you really did that callback, huh? Yep. And and one thing that I w- do want to say about this, because as somebody who's played like almost all of the Resident Evil games, and I've gotten very balls deep into the lore of Resident Evil throughout mm-hmm. the course of my life, I'm actually not mad about the Umbrella connection. A lot of people no, are. Fine. A lot of people are. They're just like, oh, God, they just shoehorned Umbrella into it. But it was such a minor thing. Would, it was it like, would be weirder if they didn't. It was like... So there was these four lords. This was the symbol of the four lords. And then this like uh, this like colonializer came over, saw that symbol, and said, "Well, I'm using that for my pharmaceutical company now." I was like, "That makes sense." Yeah, no, that's about yeah. right. It's like, oh, this symbol. Well, I'm white, so this symbol's mine now. <laughs> yeah, and I'm gonna take it and make it my company. Yeah. Um, are you just gonna? Yeah, yeah, I'm just gonna. Yeah. I'm entitled, aren't I? <laughs> So, because the connections were very small between the Resident Evil games, and mm-hmm. it was it was better that it was that way. So now we've gotten through the Heisenberg fight. Um, we have to, of course, move on very briefly to the Chris area, right? Yeah, right. Like, the Chris Redfield area. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not mad about it. No, no. There's none, none of the game I can say that I'm like mad about. Uh, the Chris Redfield area felt like the end of a lot of other Resident Evil games, where it's kind of. 
I don't know. Like, like there's this moment towards the end of Resident Evil games where you're like well into your third shotgun, mm-hmm. where you're just kind of not afraid anymore, and you're yeah. almost hunting for the boss. Right. And that's very much what this section felt like. They tried to keep it away from that by mm-hmm. giving you Chris, right? You yeah. get Chris Redfield, and you get like super powered weapons, and now enemies that you know you would stop carefully not to fight too many of. You're just like running into groups of them and taking yeah. them out and doing your whole Chris Redfield thing. Mm-hmm. And there was a time when I was playing it that I thought this was how the game was ending. That, yeah. you know, that I was just done with, you know... Um, and you wouldn't be far off because that's kind of how Resident Evil 7 ends. Not with you playing Chris, right. but in a very overpowered sense like that. Right. And just being... Done, like, like And now, like, like Ethan's gone and we're going to just do Chris for the rest of the game. And I was... I have to say I was very relieved at the very end of the game to get all the shit that I had spent the whole game earning back Yeah, to, like, do, like, a couple things with before the game was over. Mm-hmm. That was really nice. And that probably really saved the ending for me, to be honest. Right. Yeah, I could totally see that. And so you go back through and you fight the final boss and, you know, it's a whole ass thing. I actually, she was one of the only few bosses that I died to on my first playthrough. Yeah, she, yeah, no, I died to her two or three times. She, yeah. she was, uh, did she, man, yeah, she ass. had, she had some, uh, she had some, uh, some jukes, some yeah. skills. Yeah. And a whole lot of HP. Oh God, so much HP. You know, I had such strong weapons and she was just absorbing that shit. I know, right? <laughs> uh, so yeah, that brings us to the end of Resident Evil 8. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I, I finished it and credits rolled and I looked at the time and said, I have work tomorrow, but when I get home from work, I'm going to start a new game. Yep. And that's what I did. And and now I'm almost through my second playthrough and I'm like, going to probably try that knife run out and see if I can do it. Hell yeah, knife run. Um, I think overall, like I said, I know that a lot of people put a dollar value based on hour value with a video game. For me, I paid the I paid forty five because I got it on sale on PlayStation for the deluxe edition. And yeah, the game was only eight to ten hours the first time I played it. But I'm already on my second run, and I'm probably gonna play it again after that. Yep. So to me, that that dollar value it's it's already paid for multiple times over, and I'm having so much fun with it. No, I agree. Like I I paid full price for the game when it came out. Yeah. I've played it one and a half times at this point, um, and I, I I'm not mad about it at all. Uh, yeah. The game is like absolutely gorgeous. That Capcom engine just keeps Ooh, throwing hits sexy. out. That is it is sexy. Not only a gorgeous engine that created gorgeous visuals, um, realistic moving faces, cloth, physics, Mm -hmm. incredibly detailed environments that you feel like you're actually standing in that don't feel like matte paintings, like on walls. Um, Beautiful ambient sound, really detailed animation for for just about everything. Like, this was a very, very well-crafted game with a lot of love put into it. Mm. And you can tell just by looking at it. So, By the way, not for nothing, if you watch the full end credits, there was a lot of different studios that worked on this game. Yeah. Like, yes, it is a Capcom production, but they hired a lot of people from other studios to work on this thing. Yeah. So, yeah, credit where credit's due on that. Yeah, no. um, I mean, this is a AAA game, and it really doesn't matter how long it was. Like, you can take, you know... This is the difference between like I don't know like like a whole HBO show and like a one hour HBO documentary and being like or like like the, the quality is the same right like 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 they they both deserve to be here in this space and if give me like you know uh, you know sixty to eighty hours of Horizon Forbidden West or eight hours of Resident Evil Eight I'm gonna say like I had the same amount of fun with both of them and right. I'm not mad one was longer or one was shorter yeah. 
Um, and I guess that moves us into Resident yeah, Evil so, 9, right? So let's talk about the future of Resident Evil. We don't have to theorize about the plot. No, no, but the, that, that was about- that's my very first point is I loved this length. Yeah. This length was great. I think 7 was a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. And maybe just maybe it's just the enemy thing that just like that really stuck I think with it's me. because the Baker house is what it is. It is a very large house. Mm-hmm. Whereas Village moved you from point to point to point, so you never felt like you were just always in the same space. Even though you were all in the same space, That's it true. is all connected, but you, the areas were so vastly different, right? Yeah. So when it comes to the future of Resident Evil, um, and I think about what I want, my first, my knee-jerk reaction is mm-hmm. just going, I want more of what 8 gave me. Yeah. I would honestly, like, before 9, I'd love, like, a, a whole fistful of DLC for 8. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I would buy the fuck out of that. Um, I don't want to go too far into the concept of lore, but I do want to talk about are the things that should carry over as the franchise moves forward. Mm-hmm. I think they should continue playing the genre. Yeah. I know that we've been, Resident Evil was a zombie genre for a long time. 8 has shown us we can play with other things and actually make it in the lore that it happened. Yeah. Um, you know, play with genre a little bit more. Hell, Seven was straight up a Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie with like some blob creatures. Yeah. You know, uh, just keep doing that. Keep playing with the different horror genres because I'm so fucking here for that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, feel free to experiment the way that you experimented in Eight with like the different areas of the game playing vastly different, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Like. If you look at the different areas, we break them down. Lady D's place is mostly a run. It's a run and gun. Yep. Right? Then we have yeah, our... The, the, it's more like exploration yeah. and like dodging like fucking scary shit. Yeah. And then we have our PT section, which mm-hmm. is just completely disempowering. Yeah. Then we have our group goopy section, which is just kind of like back to normalcy. Yep. And let's not forget that in between each of these sections, you usually return to the village where there's more shit to just shoot. Yeah. So like you'll go from a like super spooky, you know, run gun and hide section to just a, like, you know, look around, see what puzzles you can solve with your new tools, collect some shit. But there are enemies here and this is going to drain your resources the more you move through here. Yeah. And you're going to need to rely on your skills and your shooting and shit. Yeah. Play with genre, not only throughout the entire, not through just like what the game is, but break it down the way that Resident Evil 8 did. It was great yep. that it was broken down into different genres. That was fantastic for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, when it comes to the future of Resident Evil, don't feel like you need to be bogged down by the lore. Yeah. And I, I say that as somebody, again, who obsessively loved a lot of the Resident Evil lore. A lot of people got into Resident Evil 8 that never played the other Resident Evil games. And that's for the better. Yeah, no, that's cool. This is like, a, it's it's a great jumping on point because you don't need to know anything. Yeah. And anything you learn after this will be spoon fed to you because no one no one cares about Umbrella. I don't think at this point. I see two, a world where there are two different styles of Resident Evil games. Mm-hmm. Like let's let's pretend nine and ten happen, right? Right. I could see a world where using the Resident Evil engine, Resident Evil Nine is a back to basics, more like Resident Evil Two, mm-hmm. third part or third person. You know, we keep the tension high. Very old school. Maybe we bring back a lot of umbrella bullshit, you yeah. know, all that stuff. But then 10, they go, all right, cool. So 10 is going to be first person again. Mm-hmm. And that gives you some variety though, right? That says like we can we, we can represent both worlds of Resident Evil here. Uh-huh. And I think people would appreciate that. Absolutely. I, I 100% agree. Um, 
Yeah, playing with genre, and uh, like you said, we we like like you said, we don't need to like really talk about like what we expect for plot and stuff. No. but I'd love to see them play with different areas of the world. This was very like central and maybe a little Eastern European. Mm-hmm. Um, we had straight up Louisiana last time. Yeah, straight up Louisiana last time. I'd like to see them go further east. Mm-hmm. I'd love to see them actually set a a Resident Evil in Japan. Like that would be fucking yeah. dope. Um, question. Okay. Do you think? And this may lead to further questions. Mm-hmm. We will get Resident Evil 9 before Resident Evil 4 Remake. No. No? I'm going to say hard no. F- 4 I, Remake I, first? I, I think 4 Remake first. Okay. Because they've already done 4 VR. Right. And we've done... And yeah, we got 4 VR, which had a, a ton of incredible additions to the game. Like, this mm. is a good... Good Resident Evil, Resident Evil Four remake. I'm not gonna say it's a great VR game because I haven't played much VR, especially first person shooters, which I know can be really complicated to program. But this is a very, this is might be the best version of Resident Evil Four, just based on everything you can do. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and for remake, like I have to say, that's the thing I'm like by far the most looking forward to, a lot even of more are. than two remake. Like considering what they did with two and three, yeah. like I can't wait to see. What and they I did will with die four. on the hill that I really, before we get a four remake, want a Code Veronica remake. But I just well, for know sure. that's not in the cards. They're going to do a four remake first. Yeah, I'm not even sure what the rights to Code Veronica look like these it's days. Just, it's it, the thing is, is that I love Code Veronica, but it, it's a little bit of the bastard child of the series. Um, a lot of people do love it, but the problem was is that the sequel to Code Veronica was Resident Evil 4. Yeah. So, there So, we I are. guess we'll see. Yeah. I think the future of Resident Evil, to kind of wrap this whole thing up, is mm-hmm. very bright, though. Oh, yeah. Oh, like, yeah. 8 did nothing but, like... Let's not forget that when they released 8, they had no plans to make DLC for it. Mm-hmm. But 8 got such a positive reception that they're like, okay, we're going to start working on DLC. Everyone strap in. It'll be a while. I heard there's a virus out here somewhere. Yep. Got to watch out for that. Yep. But it'll be an excuse to boot the game back up. And right now, yeah. as I'm saving in my pennies to get a new computer so that I can play Elden Ring finally, I'm playing through Resident Evil 8. And Fuck yeah. You know, I, we have that section at the beginning of the show. What have you been playing? What have you been watching? And I've been kind of tacking this additional phrase on, you know, what's been making you happy? Resident Evil 8's been making me fucking happy, man. Fuck yeah. It's been so good. I've just been like kind of a smile on my face and just loving it. And there's something to be said about the beauty of horror. Mm-hmm. And uh, I actually, you know what? I Let me take a look here while we're having this conversation because I don't think I put it in the notes today. I really should have. I am so sorry. But that's a good thing to say because it was always a I, really beautiful game. I skipped a piece of news, actually. Okay. So this kind of fits in with our discussion. Mm-hmm. So let me get into host voice again real quick. There is an upcoming feature-length documentary coming soon called Mental Health and Horror. Horror icons from around the world, as well as doctors, will be speaking to the positive impact that horror films can have on mental health. Names like Yonan Vasquez and American McGee are just some of the guests will be a part of this. Um. You can find out more information at mentalhealthhorrordoc.com. Sweet. Yeah, I love that. And that's what Resident Evil has been for me. Yeah, it makes you happy. It makes me happy. That's good. it's, It's horror, but it's fun and it's campy. And all I want Resident Evil to do is just stop taking itself seriously. Yeah. And have fun with it. Yeah. And it, and, and it's been so good at that lately. And, and that's been great, you know? It really has been. Even with Seven, even when they decide to go fucking full-on Spooksville mm-hmm. with Resident Evil, uh, which they hadn't done since, like, two, 
so so many years before they still left the camp in and yeah. like it wasn't too much it wasn't too little it was just the right amount and even though eight was a little bit campier it still like just turboed the fun factor in mm. the best way and this kind of feels to me i think my best my best analogy for the resident evil franchise right now as a video game is like mission impossible for movies right you go to see you know when you turn on a mission impossible movie you are going to have a good fucking can we just time. call it i while i don't watch either of the movies that i'm about to mention here can we just say it's like the fast and furious of the movie <laughs> you could but no because fast and the furious is very much love it and hate it mm. i don't know anyone who hates mission impossible movies they could be like i don't like action movies that's fine but like it's not just an action movie you right. will watch this movie and you will be excited you will have a good time you will be like are these people really doing this? And you'll be like, yep, people actually fucking did that shit. Right. Which is unlike Fast and the Furious, we're like, no, no one jumped a tank across two buildings into a pool. Right. No, right. no, no. When you see a stunt on the screen in those movies, you know someone did that shit. Mm -hmm. Every dollar is on the screen. All the acting is great. You have an amazing time. You eat your popcorn mm -hmm. and you go home. Yeah. And you're like, you know what? I might watch that again on the couch, you mm -hmm. know, in a few weeks. Without my pants on. Yeah, without my pants on. And that's that's what Resident Evil feels like to me. You're never sad you did it. You always have a good time. And you'll probably keep buying it. Yeah. Like, this is a quality product. And I'll probably have my pants off while I'm playing it. Hell yeah. It, well, <laughs> especially eight. <laughs> that fish guy is pretty hot. Final <laughs> verdict. I think that we love Resident Evil 8, y'all. Yeah. Oh, fuck yeah, we do. <laughs> All right. That's everything we have for the show this week. Don't forget that you can head over to patreon.com slash gnggcast to become a patron of our show. You can head over to facebook.com slash gnggcast where you can chat with us as well as to me directly at gnggcast on Twitter. And until next time, for Hector, this is James. And for James, this is Hector. Everyone, good night. And good game. <laughs>